Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks. Man, look at us back on the saddle two weeks in a row, banging them out. This podcast feed is coming back alive. I'm here with the Brain Trust of Mangum Talks. I've got my buddy, my pal, my podcast host on a variety of Mangum Talks podcasts, Spencer. Spencer, how are you this morning? Doing all right. Halfway awake. Good for me on a Sunday. You look bright eyed and bushy tailed for a Sunday morning. Spencer's awake. He's with us. I went to bed at 1030 last Woo! night, so I've actually woken up at a reasonable hour. Spencer, did Man. you have double digits of uh, sleep last night? I yes, that is, is not happened in a long in time. Spencer's at least the first is at least the first in a month, I would say, probably. He'll be going on three hours of sleep now for like two weeks. He's he's caught his battery back up. The BJ, how are, are you full, this morning? Yeah. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Uh and Levi, rounding out our force. How are you, bud? A little tired, Ben. You, you guys kept me up late last night. We did stay up to watch the Fury Wilder boxing uh match. It was a lot of fun. Shout out Tyson Fury, 11th round knockout, but it did stay up to like 1240. So if you hear me like stuttering and fumbling, that's why. All right. I, I sort of called hastily uh, called that we start recording this because Spencer asked a very interesting question. Spencer, you want to repeat your question for the pod? Yeah, we were discussing what were the best kind of pizza and what things are called pizza, but really aren't. But it led to a question of, let's say you're at a work event. That's com- pizza is probably the most common food that people order for like work events or whatever else, just because it's easy and there's a lot of it. But is there a topping that somebody could place on a pizza of where you actually just refuse it? Free pizza, there and present, but that topping just goes, I'm not even going to work to pick that off and just not have it. I would not pick off a topping at a work event. No matter, like, that, well, that, that, that's a interesting, very interesting etiquette question. This is like a, kind of a sub question to this. That's a ridiculous assertion. Um, I mean, Spencer, I, I've heard your question. It's interesting. I'm, I'm struggling to find an answer that isn't a special answer for me. And by special answer, I mean that I, I just like mushrooms. I really just like mushrooms. And so like, that's I, perfectly I, fine. I, I would avoid it, but that's not because of its relationship to a pizza. That's its intrinsic nature as mushrooms are disgusting. Um, whereas like some people, they have a you know poor opinion of pineapples on pizza. They eat pineapples mm-hmm. normally, but that's what you're trying to get at. It's yeah. it, this sort of like, so I, so this would have been the case a while ago, but I haven't had it in a decade or two, which is anchovies. I like, I just, so I haven't good. had it on a pizza. Uh, so like I couldn't, I would try it again, but it might still be in the, I, I will just not eat it. It's good. It, it, I don't know how we ever got to the point where people use that as like the pole for bad pizza topping. It's good. So uh, like, I'm not saying it's a bad pizza topping. I, I have a weird dislike of certain fish and tomato combinations. Um, and I don't like, I don't know what it is. I like they're, uh, fish stews that are tomato based that I'm perfectly happy with, but there's like a separate dish of fish and separate dish that has tomatoes in it that I just find the two flavors disgusting together. And, and I don't know when it's going to happen. So I don't know if, uh, an anchovy pizza would hit that mark. That's very interesting to me, BJ. I didn't realize you had any sort of firm opinions in that regard about like combinations of ingredients. I thought you were pretty, pretty wide open. Anything else that just like be, it's it's a no-go for BJ. Um, other than, the pears that we're already aware of. Um, yeah, it doesn't like pears, which is pretty strange. I don't have one. I don't have a pizza topping that I would I would refuse a slice of pizza. I like pineapple on pizza. I like anchovy on pizza. Um, I've never so had the a only piece of meat on pizza that I didn't like. It's all good to me. The only thing that I will say that I dislike is very specific, um, and I think it's I can't remember if it's w- which of the three like common delivery pizzas. I think it's Domino's uh, sausage. I, I don't like it and it looks like rat turds and like if there's just another option like I just I'll, I'll do something else 
So it's the quality when it comes to that particular sausage that just like sets you off. Yeah, like I have no problem with like other sausage and other. PJ works in a lab like shooting up rats with fucking heroin, so he uh, he knows intimately what rat turds look like. I don't think any of the rest of us could really cook up a a visual of that. I mean, what is it? Just like burnt pieces of sausage? Is that what? Why you think it looks like rat turds? Um, no, it, it's they actually have sort of like full pieces, so they're like slightly oblong, just like uh, pellet looking pieces of sausage so it's not like the sliced sausage okay it's mm-hmm. like whole mini sausage pieces i love sausage on pizza i feel like that's a like i'm not quite sure where we got to pepperoni as being the staple because i feel like sausage might be might be a little bit better but maybe it's because of the variability of sausage you don't quite know what you're gonna get when you say sausage on a pizza but it's really good um you brought pepperoni pepperoni is also one of those ingredients that um has been just like capitalism sucks in many ways, right? Like they destroyed the pepperoni. Like, the pepperoni is a delicious, ah, delicious fair, um, sort of like beautiful meat. Um, but the ones you get from from Domino's, I mean, they're fine. They're they're pleasantish, I guess, but they mm-hmm. they pale in comparison. Um, but beat it to your point, sausages can. There are a lot of bad sausage out there. Like there's a lot across like breakfast sandwiches across pizza. Ooh, yeah, um, just a lot of like just yeah, sad sad pieces of sausage. Yeah, breakfast breakfast sandwiches. That's a really good call. There's some really bad. As much as I love Dunkin' Donuts, they're the sausage they put on like a just oh, a standard com- little compressed patty. Steamed thing. sausage should not, not be a thing in the world. Um, it's it's just a, a terrible thing. But so like we're we're talking about and thinking about like very normal topics to pizzas, and there are crazy things out there. I mean, there there are macaroni and cheese pizzas there are hamburger pizzas where they just put hamburgers on top of it i mean like i I know that we're going with the normal ones um i mean levi you almost got a uh steak and blue cheese with i I can't remember if it was pickled onions or roasted onions and and that's something that i mean at this point in my life i probably would not take at a work event just because it's an insane thing in the world and it's going to go everywhere BJ is referencing the last podcast we did, which was a shared dinner where BJ ordered dinner for Levi and uh, it was a bunch of pizzas and he almost got him like a, a steak and, and blue cheese pizza, which doesn't sound great to me. Would I grab a slice? hundred percent. Absolutely. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I have no compulsions by way of, of, of taking stuff off of a. <laughs> yeah. No problem with that. Work, right. I mean, if there's like a, a litany of options and I go to the pizza pizza and then start, start taking off uh, ingredients. That's a bit ridiculous, but it's like they bought a bunch of pizzas for some, some work event. Um, and that's the food that they're going to feed you. Um, then oh, take it off. That's fine. I've seen this move before. Uh, we have like, let's say like, let's say it's like sausage and um, green pepper on a pizza. Mm-hmm. And then you have cheese pizza. I've seen people grab the sausage and green pepper and pick, the sausage and green pepper off and eat it and, and pass up the cheese slice. That's a move that seems serious. Why? A little serial killerish. Uh, maybe <laughs> they like the flavoring that it imparts, but not actually the the pieces on there. I, like I don't know. That's, or, that's or a crazy thing. To or make. ruining other people's fun. I, that's that's a really strange move to me. Yeah, I've seen that seen that once at a work thing. Spencer, you asked the question: Is are there any uh, toppings that you would? Well, it, it, it's me and it's we're talking about food. Of course I've got angry opinions. It's what I run on. Um I don't Yeah, you like Spencer went on a diatribe smashing Greek yogurt yesterday. Let's let's handle that on the podcast at some point. But anyway, go ahead. Hand, it's hand it's terrible and I need someone to agree with me on this. Unbelievable. No. No one agrees. So do you just need sugar and and all things that you consume? It doesn't hurt, but Greek yogurt in particular is just 
We're going to get to that in order. No, no, no. We're finishing pizza, then we'll get the Greek yogurt. Uh, When it comes to pizza, I don't particularly like mixing sweet and savory. I've never particularly liked that kind of flavor mix anyway. And so sweet fruits on a pizza, I don't particularly enjoy. But I usually can just pick them off. Like, I can pick... It's not like they're burying the pineapple chunks or shredding it into a salsa on a pizza. You usually remove them. Or even like fresh, like roasted tomatoes, I don't particularly like just because the extra sweet mix with the savory. But I'll still eat them fine. One thing I really don't like, though, and it's becoming pretty common at work events, because I guess someone on our firm loves it, I can imagine you guys would adore it, is that the, uh, somebody will always order a meatball and jalapeno pizza. Is it too uh, spicy? It's, well, it's jalapenos with all of the seeds still in them. And so I can't just off. <laughs> they've already opened up and the seeds are now throughout the pizza. So it's just asking for uh, various bits of, you know, it's good, but I hate it at work events because I don't want my mouth to be on fire for the rest of the day while I'm trying to work. So that's a category of just like, that's a pizza I don't want to enjoy at work, and there's nothing I can do to fix what has been done to it. You just get some milk to go along with it, and you know. I don't have a jug of milk in the office just hanging about. Um, also, I, or Greek yogurt, well, apparently. Um, I, I mean, I'm just saying, um, alcohol does knock the capsaicin out of your mouth, and I know you keep desk whiskey, so might be a I do might have be an option whiskey. for you. I mean, there, swishing and spitting would be a really weird thing to do after like a pizza work event it yes i would agree with that statement uh as a kid i also didn't like uh pizzas that had onions that were like underneath the cheese of uh, um that used to piss me off as a kid too that's a good call like that felt like that was a little bait and switch situation yeah how about uh, what's your all's opinions on olives the black olives i don't like them but i can easily pick those off they're good yeah they're fine i like like them the only problem is that you you get a lot of like really bad like canned black olives that oh, like, yeah. aren't briny at all and have no flavor. But I mean, it doesn't hurt the pizza in my mind. Um, and actually, Spencer, to, to your asking about toppings, if they're very often the veggie pizza is a bad pizza. It, it's not about like any specific yeah. topping that's a problem. But when there are olives, onions, mushrooms and peppers, and I think that's sort of the most common there's way too much liquid because of that because they don't do anything first. It's all just raw. It's just bad. DJ, my food, my food spirit animal. Exactly, hundred percent. It's it gets too watery, and, you know. And and like a good example, I like what they do with sun dried tomatoes. Right? It's a good that could be like a good um, sort of path for a lot of these veggie pizzas. Like dry out, dry it out before you put it on because if you just take a fresh vegetable, all the water still in that bad boy, you haven't cooked it off. Right. It's just going to be a fucking piece of soup. Um, all right. So one more question on pizzas before we move on to the topic of the day. Uh, you're on death row. You have one pizza left in your life. What are the toppings? Let's assume it's for consistency's sake in the in the conversation. It's a standard New York style pizza, and you get one topping combination of one pizza the rest of your life. What do you take? I'm gonna go first. Um, I want um, pepperoni chicken and banana peppers. Hmm. I haven't really pondered that flavor combination before, but that sounds like a, sounds really good. Uh, I'm going to play off that one, Terry. So if, if we're doing like commonly available, right? Like I'm not, I'm not trying to figure out some boutique place and, yeah. and, and yeah. this is random lights where it works there in Domino's, Papa John's like st- standard places. Um, the thin crust uh, chicken and banana pepper uh, pizza from, from Domino's that that's, it's hard to beat. It's hard it's to really, beat, man. Really fucking good. Um, I think it was you that, that, that turned me onto that um, many, yep. many years ago and it stayed with me. It's a solid choice. It's really good. I do like to throw the pepperoni in there, pepperoni in there too, though, because it, uh, the kick a kick a salty. 
I love meat. I love meat on a pizza. So maybe a combination of like a um, a sausage ham, maybe a little bit like a little bacon crisp added in there too. Be a delightful way to wrap things up. Ham. Look at that. Whoa. Interesting. Ham, but not pineapple. Um, I don't know. It it's that's a tough question for me because I don't have like a go-to topping set. Um, I'd be tempted to just like if it's a really good New York pizza to go plain. If if we're talking about like Domino's Papa John's, then you know, definitely some some meat or other things to spice it up. I think the the banana pepper, some spicy pepper. Um, actually one of my favorite things about one of them, and I can't remember who does it anymore, is that they put pepperoncini in the box. And yeah, so you that's, just get uh, like that's Papa John's, I think. Okay. I, it's interesting to me, like across pods, like, so when I asked Spencer, like, Hey Spencer, rank your top five episodes of West Wing. Here's, I'll give you an example of the type of answer I get. Well, you know, you had the one at the end where Josh and Donna hook up. I'd put that probably in my top 20%. Then you have the pilot somewhere in the, he will never give me top five, anything. When I asked BJ to nail down favorite food things, I get an answer like that, which is, well, some combination of peas, meat, and some combination. That was <laughs> a big an world out there. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. It, it, it's, t- it's tough because, because of how I approach food and like new experiences are so much more interesting to me than like uh, a solid, like uh, a consistent choice. And so, I mean, especially for things like very, common staples like you know burgers and and pizza hot dogs like stuff like that like i don't have a go-to of like these are the things that i always want on it i, I will very much agree with the first statement you made though when you were saying about just you know even just a slice of cheese could be lovely from a really good place yeah. the better the place the simpler the ingredients absolutely i think it's, and isn't it, that it, the case with pretty much everything right yeah because yeah, there's a really great burger place here in Durham called Bull City Burger. And like, I go so basic when I'm there. I'm like, give me just like cheap, like meat, yeah. cheese, bun. That's all I'm, I need. The, the toppings are just complimenting. They're not the experience. If anything, they're kind of distracting from what is just a really great solid core. All right. Great, um, great discussion here. Hey, BJ, anything else? Now, I was going to say the, the one pizza that I will almost always get because I do really like it, but it's, it, it's a little bit further into the bougie like thing is uh, arugula and prosciutto. Hmm. So I like arugula and prosciutto. I also like a balsamic drizzle on that. And sometimes I'll add a little like goat cheese. That's also really good. Although the goat cheese, sometimes if the, if the crumbles are too big, it can be problematic. Um, here's my problem with arugula on a pizza. Eat it there now. Like that's yeah. I've got to yeah. eat it right yeah. away oh. because otherwise it steams and it wilts. And I've done this move before, which I'm just going to go ahead and say is a pro move. So shout out me. Can I get this? Can I get the arugula on the side? Get the arugula on the side, get it home, put your little arugula situation on top of it and go to town. So, so this is, uh, after you do your, uh, griddle steaming, uh, set up and then absolutely you, uh, with okay. the, with the, with the crate pan, which Spencer yep. has acknowledged, he probably would like a crate pan and probably would use it. But just like all other things that he probably would like and probably would use, he does not want. I prefer to suffer. Thank you, sir. Uh, okay. Good conversation. All right. But that is not the topic du jour. We are gathered here today to discuss a video game that Spencer asked us to all play and talk about. So the premise of this pod, although we do meander a bit, is we all four get together and we share a shared experience, right? So someone will suggest something and we all try to go out and do it and then come back on the pod and talk about it. This week, it was a video game that Spencer 
got us all to, and, and it's like an old school video game, right? So it was available across all applications, right? I got it on PS4, but I think you can get it on like Xbox or your computer or whatever. I'm going to turn it over now to Spencer to talk a little bit about the video game and what it is, and then we'll share our experience about it. Yeah, I mean, part of the fun of this is shared experience is to purposely make you guys, make everybody else do something they otherwise wouldn't do that, that's unique and special to that particular person. And you guys know, I love video games. I've been playing video games nonstop since I was probably six years old. Oh, sure. And part of the basis of our friendship was playing way too many fucking video games back in Mangum Dorm. That's probably we spent more time playing Halo than we, than we did going to class. It probably is a reasonably fair bet during the course of our years there. So that's always been great. But in more recent years, I've really enjoyed trying to explore little lesser known games by not, not as big studios, more indie games. And also in kind of genres that are rather unique and not really the norm it, it, nowadays. So when it was my time to do a shared experience and you guys kind of excitedly agreed to, to do a video game, which caught me a bit off guard, I decided, okay, I'm gonna go through the list of some games I've played in the last year, ones I've played, ones that are not from major studios, that are a little bit less relevant, particularly of genres which are less common, but I quite enjoy. So I think I sent you guys a list of like 20 games and then spent like 45 minutes summarizing the individual games and the categories to help you guys pick. It was like a judicial and, election. We got like all the candidates and all the all the, the little bios of each one in the mail. It was very much that. It was like going to the newspaper and the, the opinion page before an election, going through each little detail about each one to know how it would work. Um, you guys then narrowed it down to, I think, three. What caught me as interesting is that you had a real fascination with mystery games. Two of the three were mystery games, and you had expressed a lot of interest in mystery games, period. And then the, of the three, I got to pick the last one. And so... Deciding to abuse the opportunity to no end, I decided to go with the weirdest one that was on the list of 25 and it was certainly the weirdest one that was on the three, The Return of the Obra Dinn, which is by Lucas Pope, who was an indie darling. Previously came out with Papers, Please, that you guys know about and mocked relentlessly as the bureaucratic simulator, simulator that it was. This one is a diehard, purposely throwback old school mystery. The premise being the year is 1807. You are a chief inspector for the British East India Company. And a ship that was last in port in 1802, the Oberdin, has Mary, Mary Celeste style sailed back into harbor. All the crew dead and missing, all the cargo seemingly intact with no further explanation as to how it got there. And you, <laughs> with your magic stopwatch, pocket watch, are sent on board so to be able to deduce what happened, what caused the deaths of each of the crew, what was the nature of the mystery, with otherwise very little to go on and very little information. And you are given free reign for as much time as you want to try to solve the nature of the mystery of the Oprah Den. It is, when I say throwback, it's art style is a throwback. It's style and presentation are a throwback. It's freeform nature is a throwback. And it charmed critics and sold a lot of copies, but it's a bit of a polarizing game just due to how aggressively unique it was. So I'm curious to turn it to you guys for initial thoughts. You knew my back of the cereal box description of this going in. How was, say, the first hour playing this game in terms of getting used to what it was for you? BJ. Um, yeah, so I can go first. I, not going to lie, Spencer, I'm really glad it was different than Papers, Please. Um, I don't understand. I, I understand maybe conceptually why you might like that game, but it's, it's work. Like, that, that game is, is definitely it's like... A, it's a bureaucracy simulator. I, it's the reason I didn't recommend that game. This is much more... Yeah. Unique and user-friendly. Um, He's a would, scientist. He stiff arms all bureaucracy. I, I do my best. Um, so this one was actually, it, it started out really frustrating because I often skip uh, like intros on books, like prefaces, stuff like that. Um, and 
Um, I must say sort of like there was sort of like a, a vague intro that kind of almost told you how to play the game. Um, but there wasn't a lot of like, this is what you need to do. And this is like how to progress in the game. So my first playthrough was incredibly quick and I didn't get anywhere. And so I looked up a little bit of like strategies to, to, to actually progress forward, like a little bit more on the like how to play. Cause sometimes you'll click and it'll give you something and sometimes it won't mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, these are the things that you should do. Um, and then after a little bit of that, I decided that this would be way more fun as a group activity. It, it is a group is. activity and thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. Levi, what, what were your initial thoughts? And we can get into the meat of the story and details thereafter. Um, I was charmed by the uh, the, the visuals. Um, I thought it was delightfully simple. Um, so when I started playing it, uh, my my girlfriend walked by and, and looked a little bit at the TV and, and said, is this a puzzle game? Um, I I want to play, so I basically it's a put puzzle it. Puzzle game, it's funny. I basically put it down for um, about two weeks or so, and then we, you know, moved and started playing again. Uh, but I I thought I thought it was a fun little game. I, I like you, BJ. I I skipped through all the intro stuff. I sort of fast forward through all that crap. Um, so it, it, there was a learning curve of trying to to get some of that information that may have been expressed at the very beginning. Uh, but I found it to be very good. And like many things in our relationship, uh, my girlfriend and I have different approaches to solving puzzles. Um, I, I'm a bit more of a let's free will and let's uh, be a little aggressive uh, in, in making some, some guesses. And she was very tickled at the, the game saying, hey, buddy, you don't have any information to make this guess. Why don't you don't do that? Um, <laughs> the game will do that if you're just like yeah. shooting purely in the dark. Um, yeah. It was a lot of fun to to sometimes like, all right, well, I'm just going to try and brute force this because it makes sense. And the you have like some number of things that you've already put in. And then it's just like, all right, well, I don't know if this works. Click. And then you get the 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 uh, the, the act change prompt of, hey, you got three right. Yes. Yeah, that that was a crutch for me. I'm gonna be honest. It like, is. like, like Samantha, uh, did, my girlfriend did not want me to to do the guessing. So she 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 one night she said, I'm, "I'm going to bed," and I was like, "Okay, I'll just stay up a little bit longer." Um, and I just sort of started, started brute forcing a couple of things based on some some educated guesses. Like this person mm-hmm. looks like a butcher. Hey. I, I was I was gonna say there's some definitely uh, race based stereotyping uh, profiling that you can do. Race yeah. and profession based stereotyping, absolutely. Yeah, because um, I, I I definitely used the 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 outfits people had and said, eh, it seems about right. Well, th- that's perfectly legitimate, actually, in keeping with the nature of the game. That certain outfits just of the era will say what a guy's profession or the nature of his job is. Like if you have a familiarity with like you know master and commander or Horn hornblower, you're like that guy's a midshipman. I know what he is now, and you just go from there, kind of thing. But Lee, what were your initial thoughts on the game? Um, so I don't blame anybody for not connecting these dots, but um, you know, I've, I've told you guys for a long time that first person shooters make me sick, but this is walking around in the same exact way that a first person shooter does um, with the two joysticks. And it's literally first person as you go around corners and walk around this ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made me sick in the same way that a first person shooter would like, I, I it's okay that like nobody realized that, or, or maybe didn't care or whatever, but like, it's exactly the same thing for me. Uh, oh. So I got sick with it about 10 minutes of playing it. However, I, I do, I don't want to completely like dodge out on this activity. I thought it was a kind of really interesting premise for a game. Um, and I loved basically the fill in the book thing. 
um, and how you kind of flip back and forth between times and the overall like non-linear nature of the game. Like, you know, it's not like there's clearly not one particular path. Um, and there's a lot of little like subtasks that you can do and little things that you can do to try to, um, to, to, uh, decision make. And like, I even enjoyed this conversation, right? Like the, the strategy, do I do more aggressive guessing? Do I not, um, probably affects how long you play the game. Uh, it sounds like BJ found a way to do it like super quickly his first time through. <laughs> no, um, BJ fucked up the first time we're through. It's what so, BJ did. <laughs> like all that, all that tells me that it's a really good game, or at least like really engaging. I like the old school graphics. I could imagine like a 19-year-old would look at this and be like, ain't no fucking way I'm, I'm playing this. But like for me, or Oregon Trail Kid, I love I thought the graphics were charming. The name confused me a little bit because you guys kept saying let's play Oberdin, and I thought I was getting the sequel, Return of Oberdin. <laughs> Okay, fair, yeah. Um, but I, that was the only one I could find on the PS4 Exchange, so I got it. But again, um, if you're if you're thinking about playing this game, if you have problems with first-person shooters, it's the exact same play style as a first-person shooter, so you get sick. I, I it thought... is the most mild of first-person style, for it is entirely your own pace. It is not the fast-paced activity of first-person shooter, but if any degree of first-person first person kind of playthrough sets you off, it is indeed in that category. I guess, yeah. So my thinking was it was like the speed of the turning that like you had to do with first person shooters rather than like that. I guess what really makes me laugh about it is that like you guys don't get sick in first person shooters. But yeah, I, every time we talk about this, you all have like really strong opinions about what makes people sick or not. <laughs> I'm telling you that this. That, That's that, fine. If you, I'm not, if you, like, have, it's not if a, you have the problem with it, any of these type of games and it, okay. it, it's the it's the the fact that you are in the visual and that you are doing turning that is left, right, up, down at the same time. That is what does it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, so um, that, that's what I'm telling you. But it, again, charming game. Uh, and I'm interested to hear more about it. Uh, I, I would, my 10 minutes of, of playing it, I, I could like real recognize real. I could tell it was a good game. Okay. Well, turning to the two people we got farther in, uh, the nature in, of the end of the gameplay is very much find evidence of dead body, activate stopwatch. And then from what you get of being teleported to kind of the moment of that person's death, piecing together who they were, what happened as part of the overarching mystery, but individually, how did this person die and who are they even necessarily? Because the stopwatch, though, it takes you to the moment of that corpse's death, gives you no information necessarily about this is this guy's name. You kind of have to tease that together from what you have in your journal or whether information you acquire over the course of the game. Making some of the deaths and some of the puzzles particularly difficult because of what limited information you have and also the very much non-linear nature of the game yeah um i will say so, so that's a phrase i used i feel pretty good about myself what um th there that's a, a phrase i used in my description and you used the same phrase so i just ah, feel okay. pretty good about myself right now um there are a lot of interesting things about it the uh little smoke thing that you have to follow to uh like find bodies within memories mm-hmm made me so angry I, <laughs> why in particular because like if you know where where the body is already like you can't just go there uh like you, you, you actually have, have to follow it yes you have to follow the stupid smoke and it it was just like just just i know where i'm going you, i don't need to like watch you spin around the fucking masts three times to before you go to the body like why why can't you do it as the crow flies as opposed to some artistic swirly shit that that doesn't need to happen? That's very funny you brought that up because um, I was asking uh, Sam about what did she like about it? what she 
what were her thoughts? And she, her answer was, I think it's a little bit repetitive, like, especially with that smoke stuff. And I was like, well, you have to understand that like, I, I have a better mental image of like physical space than, than most people in the world. And I've played a lot of video games as well. So like, I know mm -hmm. exactly where to go. I, I, I can see it in my mind's eye, exactly where that body will be. Um, and that it, it, it seems very plausible this game is marketed towards people who aren't traditional gamers necessarily um, yeah, and, and need a little bit of a help, uh, a helping hand. But yeah, I agree with you, BJ. It was so frustrating to be like, come on, little smoke smoke cloud. Why don't you, why don't you get up the road? I know where you're going. Come on. Um, that and uh, like, I will say that not being able to easily access the ship memory map and like where I am on it and like just, once I'm below top deck, remembering like which is bow, which is stern, and and like easily going to where that body slash memory is was kind of frustrating. Um, having a mini map would have made the game much more pleasant for me to play. Yeah, you have a map and you have the levels of the deck, but it never tells you where you are exactly. You're just more kind of having to note various items on the ship to then direct yourself thereafter. Spencer, have you are you were you familiar with the term Orlop deck before this? Yes. Of course I had you a, were. I, I had a frame of reference from literature which helped me with certain aspects of navigating around the ship. Though by the end of this game, as you've explored and hopefully solved the majority of the, of the mysteries, you have a certain basic familiarity with what an East Indian in, in the year 1802 would have been like in terms of where things are and where you can quickly go to to get to them. But one the overarching, there is an overarching story for this as to what ha exactly happened to the ship. And for a lot of people, there's a bit of a transition jump in terms of what they're expecting versus what's going on. The first moment, if you realize that there's an element of the supernatural going into what occurred. I was going to say there, there are at least two. Um, and, and Lee, I don't know if you ended up catching, I don't, I don't think you would have caught this, but because the first murders that you see are just like people shooting yeah, each man. other and like, yes, I saw each other. Mm -hmm. Um, like if if you went like another 20 minutes in, I think you all of a sudden get like a Kraken and it's just like, holy shit, there's a Whoa. big fucking octopus. Yeah. Usually the first one that it, very much the early progression is, oh, a mutiny occurred. The cap, the captain killed off some of the last survivors and then committed suicide. OK, I understand this. This is what occurred in the ship. I get it. And then you find his wife's corpse, which is arranged in a bed. And if you activate that corpse with your magic, magic pot watch, you suddenly see her get just lamped by a giant fucking squid. It's like, oh, there's more going on here. Gotcha. Okay, let's see where we go from here. And that's kind of the big first one. BJ, as you noted, when you come across, you know, friggin' uh, demonic crab riders, that's another big shift when that suddenly appears too. Uh, so I will say that... Uh... The difference between, like, knowing the difference between spiked, speared, um, like, stu yeah. like, stuff like that is just a... There's some flexibility. There's about, for, for most, the way BJ is describing, with each death, you have to divide who it was and how they died. And they just give you free reign to write in almost whatever you want with how somebody died. And usually there's about three or four that are actually right or they'll accept for a given thing. But trying to find necessarily what those three or four are can occasionally be a bit of a challenge when someone dies in a very creative way. I will also say uh, it took me a surprisingly long amount of time to uh, figure out that there are writers on top of those uh, <laughs> the <crab laughs> spiders. Uh, no, the spiders. Uh, oh, yeah. gonna, um, 
it, it wasn't immediately obvious to me. There, I mean, there was stuff on there, but I didn't know yeah. what it was because of the, the sort of very minimal graphics. Um, and then it, it, it finally, when they, when I saw them coming above board or above the the deck, um, I, I I noticed that I was like, Jesus, that's, that's horrifying. That's scary. Well, well, particularly since the I think the first one you usually find is actually like on fire with like flames billowing about it and explosions. Yep. So yep. Trying yep. to deduce what's the flames, what's the explosion, what are the three or four crewmen that are trying to avoid and get around the thing. It's a chaotic initial scene of where, oh, what did these guys stumble into that's happening to them now? Yeah, and I think it's sort of at that point where like half the crew, like you find out that like half the crew died from the giant squid. And then like you keep going, it's like, okay, they had something crazy happen to them. And then it's just like, no, no, no. All sorts of crazy things happened to them. This was like, point number one. <laughs> yeah, th this was an odyssey. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of the overarching nature of the story, ship was setting out for for a um, kind of refuel point at the Cape of Good Hope, going around eventually to India, or at least the, the Far East. It's an understaffed crew of about 51 guys and nine passengers, including Formosan Taiwan royalty, which proves ultimately very key to the plot. Some of the crewmen realized that they were transporting some valuables as well as might be useful as hostages, and so they just kind of grabbed them, went overboard, and then quickly realized that what they were transporting should not be touched because it starts to summon every kind of evil thing from the deep. And as a result of their actions, things rapidly were already not great on the voyage, but keep spiraling out of control as just the new increasingly evil thing comes out of the depths to fix what was wronged to these creatures until eventually they're able to deduce what the hell they're about and why they keep attacking. But by then things have gone rapidly to hell from there. I'm curious, did you, uh, for, for the two of you guys that it seemed like got pretty far into the story, were you able to finish it were you able to solve all the deaths or how far did you get in the overarching plot um i can go first yeah i finished it took uh two not insignificant like evening sessions to 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 finish um maybe three um like it it, it was fairly in depth uh there there was a there's definitely sort of a, a steep curve uh because fairly early on you're getting them you're getting them and then like the last couple I, I especially imagine that if you don't try and brute force things like, okay, well, these are Chinese crewmen and these are Chinese names. There are only a certain number of combinations. So hmm, yeah. let's try them all. That'll be my next question about what were the hardest solves. So we'll get to that one here in a minute. Uh, but uh, you, you were... Yeah. you were able to then finish and get into the end in terms of uh where yeah you got um, as opposed to my early like nine to twelve solves that uh the letter that you get is like why did we even send you your useless sack of crap um i'm not sad that i died with it with <laughs> without having con communicated with you further or whatever it was uh was kind of funny but um yeah eventually got got the solve i will say that um there are some that were a lot more entertaining than others in terms of like what you need to notice. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that'll be interesting to sort of go through and like, did sure. we all notice the same things and stuff like that? Levi, how far did you get? Uh, I got about 12 saws, um, which is I think, 60 on board, uh, mm -hmm. right? So roughly 25%. I mean, not exactly, but in the ballpark or 20%. Um, so I, I, I had a good time. I, we, we felt a little rushed and I didn't want to play it without uh, my girlfriend. So uh, I just sort of did that on my own um, or did a bunch of solves on my own, but, but didn't advance the story because the story was interesting. The, the nonlinear okay. nature that, that Terry called out. It, it's interesting. 
now I'm curious if I take some time off because we played it um, last week uh, principally. Um, if I take some time off, will I remember exactly what's going on here? Uh, but um, so I I read the Wikipedia uh, uh, plot overview a little bit, but keep my eyes active like I like I did with Game of Thrones to make sure I didn't didn't spoil things for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I I got most of what you said. Like I I get the the royalty had some thing that caused. Bad stuff I was keeping happen. it vague, so I wasn't um, sure how far you get. But I am looking forward to playing more of it. Let's put it that way. Um, it's okay. it, it's a very fun game. Well, then probably shouldn't talk about like the the fun like details that are worth like we, help we, to solve things. Um, we, we could discuss favorite or most difficult solves in terms of going through that, and yeah, know, keep it keep it general to vague so we don't spoil the two guys that might play some more. But yeah, BJ, you have far we got. What was and what were some of your most difficult solves and what were some of your favorite solves in terms of the okay. put together? So uh, like I'd, I'd have to look up names, but fucking beanie hat asshole that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so there's a dude that I, I, in, in the, so what you have to fill out is you have a passenger log that you can just fill out names for um, and like what they, like what position they play. Um, shall we say you have like the memories where you can fill out the name, how they died and like who killed them, if that's a thing. And then you have three pictures um, where you have their image um, in three different things. One is uh, an artist sketch of a murder murderer being hanged slash shot. Yep. Um, one that's just like life on or deck, and mm-hmm. then the third one, I uh, a picture of the Formosan royalty, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it was one of the dudes that was in like the rifle squad that was in like 60% of the memories, like interacted with every single murder and yeah. sort of was like the linchpin for, for like the second half of the solves. That was a pain in the ass. Um, it like it was interesting, sort of once you like once you got it, but like it took a lot of like knitting stuff together to get there. Gotcha. Um, so I will say without spoilers, um, there at least if you play on PC, there's a way to zoom in a little bit that mm-hmm. is instrumental in finding a bunch of different clues. Um, and like, if you don't do it, there are things that are too pixelated to see until you zoom in and like figuring that out was like super important for like a lot of like the later selves. Yeah. There it's for a game that's very minimalist in its art style. There is a surprising amount of detail that can be observed in all of these characters and all of these scenes. And so much of it matters in terms of ultimately piecing together who these people are and what was the nature of their death and what occurred to them. Because BJ, as you noted, some of these characters will be in like every scene, but their actual death may be 40 or 30 scenes down the way, or maybe the very first scene you ever saw. And trying yeah. to piece together information to identify them is part of the challenge and fun of the game. Having sartorial arguments uh, to try and figure out like who is who was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and like it makes sense, but um, that and does this person look Indian to you? <laughs> I can't tell. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or is this the black guy? Because you know, like, could be this one. And yeah, it, it it was a really weird like discussion around these. Mm-hmm. 
Levi, what were, what were some some of your more memorable selves? I've not solved the BD guy. Um, he is frustrating. Uh, I was laughing because <laughs> it's it it's annoying. He's everywhere, um, and you have no detail. And that damn game puts his face in clear text and gives you one little triangle and says, "Hey, it's pretty obvious, guy. Why don't you want to finish and solve this guy?" And it's really really frustrating. Um, the the tattooed guy. I I, I, I oh for- he's a, he's infamous. <laughs> I, I I brute forced that one, and I made a couple. My, my first guess was wrong uh, because he he looked. Um, he's very white. He's a white dude, and he's from ultimately New Guinea. Yeah, yeah. He he has Slavic features. Uh, I'm I, I'm like this is Rasputin. Um, what's going on here? This is definitely definitely one of the one of the Ruskies, uh, and it turns out it wasn't. Um, that one was 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 very frustrating to me. But again, I I started to do a little bit more adventurous stuff. Um, once, once my girlfriend went to bed. Um, the Ruskies and- are a little bit more uh, the original series of Star Trek Klingons looking than uh, <laughs> you might expect. But yeah, it, I definitely did, did some adventure stuff. And I, I <laughs> the women on board, like very early on, I, I said, screw it, uh, Samantha. Uh, Miss has got to be the younger one. Uh, and and the older one is the other the, the other lady that's not the wife of the the captain and I just named those and she was so frustrated because it was like second scene in I was like screw it I know I know exactly who these people are uh, and called them out of the way I don't know if I'm right uh, but I do know that uh, <laughs> that, yeah, I, that's what I, I went with I, in terms of one of my most difficult selves I'm gonna, it's about actually those two women and distinguishing between them I will give you a hint in terms of their regard that the fact that one is married. Uh, that gives you a bit of a hint in terms of physical artifacts on them that might be useful in terms of identifying them that I did took me so damn long to think to even look for. Oh, interesting. Because like Ooh. one of them's referred to as somebody's sister, and that was an easy giveaway. There's three women aboard. There's the captain's wife, oh, yeah. who you, you find pretty quick. Right. That's fine. And then there's the two other women who are just passengers. Oh, yeah. Well, and then there's the Formosan royalty. She's true. She's a separate category. Um, but in terms of the two just European yeah. passengers, distinguishing between the two of them could be quite a bit of a challenge. Uh, a certain amount of guesswork could go in until I realized really late on we were able to get a close zoom in on them that, like, all right, I know one of these is married. Is that a hint? Like, oh, that's how I tell. Gotcha. Okay. Now I know. But yeah, keep, keep, keep track of that, Levi. It actually will help quite a bit in terms of a key scene where you're actually able to zoom in close on them. Um, one of the other funky things was the uh, Jesus moment where you're just like wandering on water. Like everything up to a point is like on deck. And then all of a sudden, like you start walking on water between some boats and then like wandering like up a falling mast. And like, I thought those were sort of interesting uh, vignettes of like, this is su- like, it's a further like bit of magic in this like sort of very, uh, like there's a magical mechanism to like go to the memories, but like up until that point, you're just like wandering around on deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of like another yeah. interesting outing. And it's um, particularly stark. It's particularly stark because you have no frame of reference to know it's going to do that. It's just a collection of bodies that were on the deck, and then right. suddenly you activate it, and you're in the middle of the ocean, wandering between three rowboats. Yeah. Um, the the office scene frustrated me as like the the denouement of the like game like i just i i don't i don't know why but like after getting so after you get all of the solves that you can get it sort of is like here's how to like get the rest of the story and it's just like okay like i guess 
You're talking about the very end in terms of that regard. Yeah. You basically finished and left the ship. Depending on how well you did, you get a letter from the survivors that are giving you additional information to solve the last couple crimes or yes. deaths. Um, and a creepy piece of an animal. Which is a fun bit of in universe to suggest that the fact that these stopwatches exist or pocket watches exist is apparently known because yeah. you actually see somebody within the story game it under the expectation that somebody will be sent to investigate and they'll need this clue. Um, so yeah, it, like it was a very interesting uh, game in that like there was sort of just enough like stopping points where you could either brute force something. And I don't know like if that's in kind of intentional where like you have a point where there are a bunch of Russians or a bunch of uh, Chinese deck workers or top men or whatever. And it's just like, okay, like I have a lot of this solved and I can just like, now I can just guess and like then progress the st story like a lot from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the f in terms of what's infamous among the fandom, uh, the guy with the tattoos is infamous because he looks Celtic or Slavic when he's actually from New, from, from New Guinea and the game really almost encourages you to stereotype at times to be able to identify who the hell these people are. And that one really throws you off into the fact he's got these elaborate tribal kind of ish tattoos on him. Um, but the four Chinese topmen are just legendarily infamous. The three Russians, they're all clustered together in the same room. So you can kind of piece them together maybe. Uh, but the Chinese topmen made uh, Levi, just to make it easier on you when you get to them, look at their socks. Their socks are different. Their socks well, and their shoes are a little bit different. I already brute force one of them, uh, by the way. Good uh, deal. Because um, so one of the fun things, and I, I think we sort of uh, missed out on this on on at least a little bit, is that you have to place the death to a category, right? So uh, a way yep. they died. Um, and it includes a lot of interesting things that it, that, that caused my girlfriend to be like, what the hell is going on here? What, what does expired mean? And how is that relevant here? Um, what does electrocu <laughs> electrocuted mean? Um, how, how, how is that possible? Um, and so the... So the electrocuted uh, uh, Chinese top, and I, I brute forced that guy um, just because I was frustrated. Uh, but socks, <laughs> that's a good call out. I like the idea of being able to inspect the details of what they're wearing and place that to, to the image. That's, that's a really clever idea that I'm going to try to implement. Yeah, the, the electrocution one comes a bit of a surprise. That guy just gets fucking struck by lightning at the top of the boat. It's like, okay, he's up high. <laughs> he's probably one of the topmen. I've got like six people to pick from. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like you guys have gotten pretty far into it and like the overall nature of the game. So I'm, I'm amused by that. I'm curious to ask, this is, is it fair to say this is one of the more unique games you've played? And based on that, would you recommend it to somebody else? Um, so I actually, before we get too much further, I'm, I'm curious, Terry, like, could you watch somebody play this or is that too much for you too? Or is it like your actual, like, uh, you're controlling it that, that makes it difficult? can't watch it either it's uh, the best i can describe is anything where i'm watching a frame and it's up down left right it's yeah sort of like it's not i can do up down only left right only but when it's up down left right in some combination in a frame and the background of it isn't moving at all that's what causes the motion sickness because I think because I'm seeing around the frame, nothing move. And then this thing is just sort of in my mind, it's all over the place. Like that left round upright thing for me is just sort of dizzying. And I'll, I'll say this about getting motion sickness with these games is that like, if it was a matter of, I felt a little bit bad, I would power through, but like 
like this, I played it for 10 minutes and I was, I felt sick for an hour afterwards. Like it is not a small thing. So that's why, like, I just can't even power through and do it. I've tried Dramamine and do it. Um, and that didn't help. Uh, Dramamine didn't help either. Yeah. Dramamine has helped my motion sickness on boats. Um, but for some reason with these video games that, that sort of you're in it first person left down upright. The only other thing I say is that some of the games allows you to change your perspective to seeing the guy. Yeah. You're not, you're not, yeah. A little bit better. Still get sick eventually, but it takes a little bit longer to get sick. So gotcha. the third person question I, uh, I was going to ask because I, I, you play 2k, right? So how long can you play 2k before you get sick? Is that an hour thing or is that, it, it's totally fine. When you say 2k, you mean 2k, the basketball game. Yep. Um, I never get sick on 2k, the basketball game, because if you think about how much movement is actually occurring on the, the screen itself, there's very little movement. It just kind of shifts a little bit to one side and shifts a little bit to the other on the basketball court. Um, because I, the view I have is like I pull out. So where mm-hmm. I'm just seeing the court. And so the, really the only actual like shifting of the camera within game is just a little bit down the court each time. And like Madden, the same way I, I do the higher view with Madden and I basically just see the whole field. The camera itself doesn't really move. So neither one get me particularly sick. But NVR is okay. I don't know. Fucking, I bought a VR headset. Goddamn thing won't work. Um, thank you, Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Anybody enough. wants a VR headset, half price. <laughs> Bargain bin prices at my house. What? Um, in terms of recommend, in terms of my question, in terms of recommending it for somebody else, uh, would this be a game that you would recommend? And if you did so, what advice or provisos would you include as part of that recommendation? Uh, uh, Levi, you first. I would not give any advice. Um, I let people just explore the game. Um, and if they had problems, then then, then give them advice, right? Um, I would recommend it, yes. Um, but to Terry's point, um, I want to make sure the person has some experience with video games or at least has someone who can act as their steward there. Uh, because I tried to let Sam play around. I was like, this is simple enough. It's only, it's, it's, it's very minimal. And she's like, yeah, but 3D space is hard for me. Uh, I'm not touching this thing. Uh, you play Levi, um, which is, is very fair. So they had it. This is not for entire, not like super novices with video games. Um, but super novices with video games would still like it as long as they like puzzles and, and solving, you know, clue based games. It is interesting how the two of you experienced it in terms of your significant other being kind of on your shoulder while you're playing the game. Because it's the exact same thing that Bridget and I did. And it seems to be a game that really accommodates that well as somebody who knows how to play games and move around is running the controller. But one or multiple people behind them can have a lot of fun in just terms of experiencing the mystery and offering tips about various things that could be, you know, where to go next, what things can be looked at. It's a game that I think accommodates that very well. Um, I, I would say a lot of puzzle games are that way. Um in terms of like, they're surprisingly enjoyable to watch or whatever else. And um, I would point to the number of times that we, well, other than, than you, Lee, have watched people play Portal um, is, is just really funny. Um, and I think, Lee, like you've, you've done that a little bit, but like not quite as much, but just like watching people solve and how people solve different puzzles is very entertaining. Um, sometimes with offering suggestions. Um, yeah, so to your questions, Spencer, I would recommend it. I would tell them that the wiki is non-spoilery unless you it's a, try. It's a well-done wiki in terms of just, um, you have to actively click through links to get to spoiler information. Right, and and that, and like, I would just really recommend that it be done as a, like, 
have some people that, that you think would enjoy something like this and, you know, understand that you might not finish. Also, like, find a way to take notes because the, the stuff in game that it has is okay, especially if you're going to try and play it in, like, one session. But if you're not, having some, at least, you know, scribbles that, that you can, like, take down some, like, maybe important information is... Mm-hmm. I haven't played many games recently that that's at all necessary that like my memory is not good enough to like put things together. It's a bit of a throwback that I quite like. So I remember there was a lot of games back in the day of where having a notepad was not necessarily required, but directly beneficial just to keep track of information. Because nowadays there's an in-game journal that usually just keeps track of everything you need to know. There's a little icon that's telling you immediately where you need to go. It's much more user-friendly. Because having had that extra touch of where my own knowledge and bringing it to bear and keeping track of it is essential in terms of solving the plot, I kind of actually like that. It's nice. It's much, it feels like I'm much more involved in the plot rather than just being a handhold the, the whole way. There was a Nintendo game that you're reminding me of that um, I remember it was like a multi, it was sort of like a Dungeons and Dragons-esque game. Um, and you had to get from like point A to point B or whatever else. And there's sort of ways to go through it, but you didn't have a map. Like mm-hmm. back in those days, like there was just no option for that. And, and having like pieces of graph paper where like you made like notations and drew out the entire map was a surprising amount of fun. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm glad, Bichan, I'm glad you enjoyed the experience having finished it up. Levi, I'm glad that you're um, going to stick with it and explore some more. Let me know as you get through it or if you have any questions as you, um, you know, going through the, uh, the rest of the overarching plot. Lee, I'm glad you gave it a good honest try and are here, are here with us to offer commentary on the subject. Uh, in the future, as we go through other games, maybe, uh, now I will remember that first person sets you off, but also, there's no need for you to suffer. If 10 minutes in, it doesn't work. We can't always pick another game. If that is something that does not work for you, we'd love to include you in these experiences. Yeah, well, here's the thing with me in video games is that I, like most things in geek culture, like I want to like it. Like I like I love I love that people love video games. Like, and I like, I generally like the people who like video games. So like, I really want to be involved in it and like hear about it, but I just, I either can't play them or because I can't play most of the games when I finally can play them, I fucking suck. Cause I have no reps in this, this whole thing, but I generally like to be around the culture. So like one of the things I love to do is like, go to like, um, like arcades, um, mm-hmm. and just like watch people. Like, it's almost like the same thing I do with like cons. Like I just don't want to be geek. Like I go to these cons and I just kind of stand around like, man, this is really cool. I wish I was one of these people. Like I do that in the arcades with, but like the arcades that have like kind of complicated games, you know, um, I, I like to just be around it. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with the discussion and being like kind of involved in it. But that explains why when you like you, you suggested, I'm like, yeah, gung ho, give it a good try. But ultimately, I guess I'm just sort of like a wannabe. There's um, wannabe and then there's cannot physically enjoy the experience. Those are two different categories, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I guess being fair to myself, that's probably fair. So I wonder if like there's a way that with some of these games, like if it doesn't work well, sort of initially, if we could do like a um, maybe not like a shared screen, but like or some of that where like you don't need to like really watch the play like it's a little bit smaller or something else like it's not. Well, that's a question. Like, is it that like it's full screen or is like if it was a small window, like kind of Zoom style where, you know, somebody's sharing a screen, but like you can watch the rest of us for the most part, but like vaguely watch what's going on, that that would be, that would work well. 
a simple enough fix of the three games that were on the list that you guys wanted to pick. The other two are third. One is overhead shot and the other one is third person. So either of those could potentially be less of a set off that we could, you know, experiment and try with lay. Yeah. To BJ's question, it depends. The, the answer is it depends on how much I am concentrating on the screen that's moving. It kind of doesn't okay. matter if the size of the screen. It depends on how much I'm watching it and locked into it. Um, yeah, but happy to give anything else a try. Um, uh, and if I'll let you guys know if it works or doesn't work now, if it doesn't work and I'm not getting sick, I also just suck at these games. So there, there's also that barrier, but I will try. Cool. All right. Well, um, for everyone that played through any other further comments that you'd like to offer about return of the Obra Dinn. Um, did you, are you secure? Detail. Did you notice that you can change the art style? I, I did. I, did you pick a favorite one? Cause everyone has yes. a different opinion. Well, so I, I changed it a couple of times. Um, and they're named that, after the computer or machine that they yeah, worked in. So that you could do like an Oregon Trail-esque one was kind of fun. Like going through the different ones was fun um, because uh, basically I, I how we ended up playing was I was mirroring my screen on, on my TV. Um, it was nice to choose. I can't remember which one that was just a bit higher contrast mm-hmm. um, just because of like how the game works so spencer to answer your question um i cycled through all of them and ended it back up on the uh the default one um i thought that was the, the cleanest the other ones were interesting but i thought it was the cleanest yeah for me white lines on black worked best for me i kind of like that look yeah i think that's the one that i ended up on just because like it was a little bit sharper and that was nice for some of the fine details that you had to zoom in on um sometimes well, this has been quite a bit of fun of watching, of hearing how you guys enjoyed the game. I think this might be something that if it works for you, we might, we might do a little bit more regularly in terms of, you know, experiencing other games together, uh, but perhaps better tailored for Lee's tastes and ability to enjoy as well. So we can get him more involved in the discussion. Um, but yeah, if y'all are willing, let's uh, do more of these episodes in the future. Sweet. Sounds good. Anything else we want to cover here on Mangum Talks? Uh, Greek yogurt is horrible. Let's just address that now. I, I want to hear... Y'all justify why Greek yogurt is just taking over the world, please. Spencer, you're a child in the type of foods that you like and always needing to add sugar to everything. So it's understandable that you dislike Greek yogurt because it is it is definitely like a, a thing that you appreciate as, a, as an adult. I know, I'm not was... quite sure I would go right to that. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, a, y'all. a little what? bit aggro. Um, Spencer, I would say um, <laughs> there's a cynical take on all of this which is that like in modern society, we like to have things that are relatively convenient, close enough to what we like, but make us feel good about ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. So people s- substitute, you know, regular yogurt for, for Greek yogurt and think there's a, they're doing something healthy when it has a gargantuan amount of sugar anyway, um, mm-hmm. at least most of the, the regular ones. Um, so I like it because it tastes good. And I like a little bit of tang there. Um, and so I'm okay with it. Uh, but I understand that it's just, it's, it's a farce uh, for, for most Greek yogurts you get, right? You rarely get the real raw you know, Greek, Greek yogurt. Great. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. 0% Faye is actually not too bad for you. I, I mean, I like the tang to it. It's also a great, um, it's a great like um, canvas or something. I don't know. That's yeah. a pretentious way to put it, but it's a good, a it's a good base. Too. There you go. Yeah. Base. That's yeah. a much easier, better term in food. It's a, a good base. I put like nuts, honey. Now one might argue well, you only like nuts and honey. Well, I mean, maybe, but like, I, I can't, I can't sit and eat like a bowl of honey. Like I have to put honey on something in order to enjoy it personally. So like Greek, Greek yogurt fills the the void well, and it's better for me than a lot of other things 
that I could potentially be using as a vehicle for a lot of those toppings. Also, like it's a great vehicle for um, fruit, like a parfait is pretty damn solid. And I don't need, I don't need sugary yogurt for a parfait because you have the sweetness from the, the fruit and a lot of yogurt or a lot of granola has sweet and sweetness in it. So I'm totally cool with a, a, a no limited sugar Greek yogurt for a parfait. So for me, I would also say yeah. that um, with Greek yogurt, uh, they are often a reasonable sub for creme fraiche, uh, which like, I think that it does something different than sour cream does. And since like getting like real creme fraiche is a pain in the ass uh, in the States that like, it's just another option for a base like that. It's a great thing to cook with, uh, especially if you're doing like a lot of Indian food. I will say though, if you're going to use Greek yogurt, um, or yogurt writ large to like, to, to like, um, flavor or, um, fill out, uh, curries or whatever, uh, do your research first folks. You, you add it in when it's too hot, it'll curdle, it'll break. It'll ruin your entire pot of curry. I've had some very bad Saturday afternoons trying to cook with fucking yogurt. You've got to be very careful with it, but if you can control the heat, control how you put it in, um, it's a healthy substitute for like say coconut milk to create, create a little bit of creamy flavor in your curry. Interestingly, Indian yogurt tastes surprisingly different. Like I did not expect it to be that different, just like a plain, plain yogurt. Um, and just like how different the culture ends up making it. Right. But you can, I mean, you can use Greek yogurt to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to, to, um, make a creamy curry. You just have to be very careful in how you do it. I, I would, I added it in boiling one time to a pot of curry that I am not bullshit. And I had taken three hours to pull together. I had been bl- all kind every blender in the house was being used for this motherfucker. I all <laughs> over the place, tons of ingredients. I'd separately cook the meat, throw the yogurt in and um, it, it broke. And my entire curry was, was ruined. And, and to this day, my wife will say that that is the most childish she has ever seen me act about anything. I became a complete baby. I was through, I was like stomping around the house, throwing things. Well, what, I'm not sure if that justifies Greek yogurt or not, but anyway, that's what was all. Yep, I'm not sure we got to that point from there, but sure. Yeah. It works for me. It's Greek a good yogurt, base. I, the problem for me is it's an inferior base just compared to regular plain yogurt. I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to mix various things in Greek yogurt, at least every time, every kind I've ever experienced is so much heavier and thicker when it comes to, to a more traditional yogurt consistency. And it just doesn't work for me. I feel it makes me feel just sluggish and heavy just from having to cut through it as something almost closer to the consistency of like a light cheese than it does to a yogurt that I'm used to. It makes you feel sluggish and heavy. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's such a thicker, heavier <laughs> consistency to go through. Spencer, you're asking, asking, I'm asking, I'm you are right, a Levi. person in the world that that has milkshakes on a regular basis. Ice cream and having ice cream, a yeah. little bit of Greek yogurt makes you feel heavy. Uh, in terms of mixing it with other things, yeah, it's an inferior base compared to the other one, other things I would use it for. Yeah, fair enough. Sure, um, sure. Levi's not enough. buying this. I, I want to do like a, I'm going to do the sound that Levi's making. Are you guys ready? Please. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I don't know. You got the ow. perfect, perfect head and neck gestures put with that too. Yeah. That's Directly what I'm saying. Point. Yeah, Here's unfortunately for our listeners, a little hard to say. Um, I was going to say, I have a question, but I will try and save it and remember it for the next time that we do this. Uh, but it's been fun. Yeah, great. Uh, glad to do this again with you fellas. This is bang, banging them out two and two weeks here on Mangup Talks. Uh, if you like our stuff, just go to any podcast platform that you use, potentially the one you're using right now. Type in Mangup Talks. All of our pods will appear. It's grand. It's great. We have wonderful content all out there on the wild world of the internet. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with you next time.